Oh, hello everyone. How are you doing? Okay, that was tough, tough crowd. Um, that's still on. Cool, I'm so excited to be with you all tonight as we continue in our series through Exodus. Um, tonight we're gonna be looking at Exodus chapter 20, so feel free to start turning there if you don't really know where it is. Um, we've been going through, if you haven't been here, um, we have been going through this series called The Struggle Israel. The Struggle Israel, so clever, love it. Um, but we've been going through this journey with the Israelites um, as we've seen that God has brought them out of slavery. For 400 years, they were in slavery to the Egyptians. They're in bondage. And now they're in the wilderness, and it has been a struggle for them. They have struggled to, um, we've seen a struggle to say yes to God. We have seen a struggle um, to, to choose grumbling, I mean, sorry, choose gratitude over grumbling. They are choosing to grumble rather than be grateful for what God is um, doing for them. And so they're, they're really struggling to depend on God, right? And so um, they live these 400 years in slavery, and they, they don't know what it means to be free. And tonight we'll see that they don't know what it means to rest. And so a couple weeks ago, Josh um, told us just how to choose gratitude over grumbling. He said that gratitude is a parent virtue, which means that if we can learn to choose gratitude over grumbling, our lives will actually be more joyful, and we'll be able to focus on God's goodness and faithfulness. And so tonight, the Israelites are camped in front of this mountain called Mount Sinai, and God asks Moses to go up onto this mountain. This is where the presence of God was. That's where, you know, God resided. And God gives Moses these commandments, which are called the Ten Commandments, because there's ten of them. Um, and these commandments, we'll see, are to help the Israelites live freely rather than to restrict them or take away their freedom. But before we dive in tonight, I have a question for all of you. How many of you have been so overwhelmed by work that you just can't rest? You're just so overwhelmed, you're exhausted, and you feel like you can't fully function, right? How many of you have been there? I've been there. Some of you, wow. Whoever didn't raise their hand, please talk to me afterwards. I would love to hear how you do that, because <laughs> go you guys, right? But I know all of you have probably had some pretty tough midterms, right? Last week, the past couple weeks, it's been pretty tough. It's been a grind. Or maybe you've had certain weekends or weeks where you've just had so much homework and you just feel so overwhelmed by it. And the weekend comes and you're like, I can finally rest. But then you realize, oh, wait, I have a job or two jobs and someone's giving up their shift and I might as well take it because I need more money, right? Because like broke, broke college life, right? And you also have to keep your social life alive. You also have dishes and laundry to do. And by the end of the weekend, you realize that tomorrow is Monday and you're still exhausted because you didn't find time to rest. How many of you have been there? 100% me. Okay, cool. Um, and so tonight we're going to talk about the first four commandments and we're going to talk about what it looks like to rest in the Lord. And so I'm going to go ahead and pray, but yeah, you guys can open up to Exodus chapter 20, and we'll, um, we'll go ahead and pray. Jesus, thank you so much for tonight. God, I thank you for everyone who came out tonight. Jesus, I pray that you would be in this space with us, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would help us to um, know what it's like and to truly rest in you, Jesus. God, I pray that you would um, help us just have our, our, our hearts open to hearing your word and your truth. 
In your name I pray. So Exodus 21 through 7 says, And God spoke all these words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God, for the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who misuses his name. And so these are the first three commandments that God gives Moses, and we see in verse 2, it says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. And so we see this commandment born out of relationship. God says, I am I'm the Lord your God, right? I am with you. I brought you out of slavery. I love you. I brought you into this freedom. And so these commandments are given out of a place of relationship. And, and we see that they're not here to take away our freedom. Um, there's this illustration. I actually don't know who... Um, who first came up with it, but it isn't mine, so if there was credit, I'm giving away the credit. It is not mine. Um, but there's this house upon a mountain where this family lives, right? And they have a bunch of little children, young children, and there's this really cool, like the best playground you could ever imagine at the very top of this mountain. And around it, on all sides, there's a cliff, right? And if you get too close to the cliff, you'll fall off and probably die. Um, and so the children, they're scared of the edge. They're scared to fall off, right? And there isn't a fence around that, around the playground to keep them safe. And so when they play, they all huddle together in the center of the playground, and they can only enjoy like 10% of this really good and wonderful thing. And so they can't enjoy the playground fully because they're fearful that they might fall off the edge. And so the dad just builds this fence around the playground, um, not to restrict their freedom, but so that they can all play and enjoy this good and wonderful thing. So just like this fence is there, not to take away the kids' freedom, not to restrict them from playing and having fun, but the fence is there so that um, they can be free. They can play freely without fear of falling off the edge. And so we see with these commandments, just as that fence is to keep the kids safe, these commandments God gives us so that we don't have to wonder how to live. We don't have to wonder if we're walking in truth or not, or if we're walking in sin or not. We just follow what God has given us. The Israelites are to follow what God has given them so that we don't have to live in fear. We don't have to constantly wonder if we're, you know, straying away from the Lord, if we're straying away from truth. So God says to worship him alone, and he says this because he knows that he's the only way, the only truth, and the only way to eternal life, right? He is life. And so these first three commandments are pretty straightforward, right? He says you're to have no other gods before God, before me. Don't make an image or idol that you put before God, and do not worship anything other than God, and do not misuse the name of God. He says you must put God first. He must be like king, lord of your life. And we'll see in a couple of weeks that the Israelites are going to really struggle with putting God first as Moses left them alone to go up and talk to God. 
But when we think of an idol, when we think of worshiping something other than God, we might think, well, I haven't bought anything or created anything um, that I like kneel before and worship, that I don't pray to anything you know, other than God, so I'm good. I don't have any idols. But what is worship? If you were here last semester, you would know that it's more than just a song. It's a heart posture. Worship is adoration or reverence to something or someone. It's whatever we're holding in the highest position in our lives and whatever we spend the most time and effort with or to. This is what worship is. Whatever we're spending the most time with, like that is what we're worshiping. Whatever we spend the most time doing, that is what we're worshiping or who we're worshiping. If we're spending time with the Lord, if we're, if we're putting him first, if we're adoring him and revering him, like that is worship. A.W. Tozer puts it like this. The purpose of God in sending his son to die and live and be at the right hand of God the Father was that he might restore to us this missing jewel, the jewel of worship, that we might come back and learn to do again that which we were created to do in the first place, worship the Lord in the beauty of his holiness. He says that we were all created for the sole purpose of worshiping God. And that's what these first four commandments are about. Worshiping God by putting him first. So we'll read on um, in verses 8 through 11. God says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And so the previous three commandments are about worshiping God alone, and this fourth one is about us resting. It's also in the same vein of worshiping God or putting him first. So these commandments were given to Moses for God's people to follow so that they could live in freedom. And God includes rest in these commandments. And so as we look at the Ten Commandments, I think that we could, for the most part, agree, we could all agree, um, that these things are not to be taken lightly, right? Like, these are the big Ten Commandments. Like, we need to follow these ones. Um, these are, like, the, the biggest commandments, if you will, I guess. Um, but when we hear, don't put any other God before, we're like, yeah, you got it. Like, we won't create any false gods or worship any idols. Like, you got it. But when we hear, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, we're like, what is Sabbath? What does that mean? And it's the longest and most explained command, but we don't even know what it means. Or even if we do know what it means, we're like, oh, this is one that we don't have to really, really keep. But it is part of the Ten Commandments, and, and not many people keep it. And um, they might not know what it is. You guys might not know what it is. Um, or, or we may not take it seriously. But I don't remember anywhere in Scripture that God says that we get to pick and choose which commandments we get to follow, right? He says, keep my commandments. So what is Sabbath? We're going to be talking about tonight. What is Sabbath? How do we keep it? What, what Sabbath isn't? Like, we're going to answer some of these questions. So we see that Sabbath means rest. That's the first thing. And I love going back to creation to think about this, because this gives us a picture of how God intended things to be, right? At creation, like, this is the perfect way that God wanted and created the entire world. 
So when we look at creation, God spent six periods of time creating this world that we live in. And the last thing that he created before he gave and set aside this day of rest was humans, was us. And the first thing that man enters into is this idea of rest. So God gives humans this mandate to bear fruit and multiply, to like have dominion over the earth. But he said, first rest. God declared the seventh day to be holy, to be set apart as a day of rest or Sabbath. In the Genesis account, it says that God declared this day holy, to be a day of rest. Um, are any of you guys the, like fans of The Office? Anyone watch that show? Amen. He didn't just say it was holy. He declared it, right? He didn't just say it. He declared it. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, God declared this day holy. He said this is a holy day, right? It made it legit. It legitimized this day, sort of. God purposefully declared that we need to have a day of rest. This means that from the very beginning of the world, God's design for humans was to do what we do to work out of a place of rest. And Adam and Eve would have known this because God declared it, and they would have kept it holy, or they would have kept it set apart. They would have held rest in in a high position of their lives, right? So we see that Sabbath means rest, and the second thing that we see that it means is that it's a, God gave Sabbath as a gift to humanity. Sabbath is a gift. It's not a reward. We Sabbath and we rest, not because we want to or because we deserve it, um, but because God commands it. We rest because it's a gift from God, not a reward. In our culture today, people look at rest as a, war, a reward um, for working hard, right? We're told that if you want the reward of rest, we must work as hard as we can throughout the week, and then at the end, because we've reserved, just kidding, because we've deserved it, because we're at the end of ourselves, we're exhausted, we've done as much work as we can, we get to rest. And we have the, this idea um, of work as hard as we possibly can until we retire, right? Like, that's the end-all, be-all. Like, work as hard as you can, do as much as you can until you retire. But the issue with this kind of thinking is that if we feel that we haven't worked a full week or a full schedule, if we feel like we haven't done enough, then we'll feel guilty about that and we'll work through um, what's supposed to be our Sabbath or our rest. And then the week starts again and we're not only still exhausted and tired and we're like, oh man, this week is starting and I'm still exhausted but we've also disregarded God's command to rest. I think that we've um, become slaves to productivity. We've become slaves to the American dream and to the grind, right? But Sabbath allows us to break out of that cycle. It allows us to enjoy our lives. It allows us to, um, to enjoy our lives, enjoy what God has given us, rather than just a slave at work for 40 or 50 years until we're too old to enjoy life, right? Sabbath allows us to step out of this day-to-day cycle so that we can work, or so that, we, so that we don't have to work, so that we can see clearly what's in front of us. Sabbath allows us to enjoy our, our life to the fullest. Or rest allows us to enjoy our lives to the fullest. And I believe that if God, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, If he felt the need to rest after six days of work, after six days of creating, then far be it for me to think that I can um, go six days or go a whole week without resting, right? 
Like if God, the creator of the universe, has all the power, who is rest, who is fulfillment of rest, takes a day to rest, then far be it for me to think that I don't need rest. A couple weeks ago, we saw that even when the Israelites were wandering through the desert, God provided for them extra food to gather on the sixth day so that they could honor the Sabbath and not work, right? Gathering food, like manna fell from heaven. All they had to do was walk out of their tent, like pick it up and take it back in. Like that's all they had to do. That's not that hard, right? Like that's almost hardly considered work. But God knew that they were coming out of slavery. They were coming out of this bondage. And he knew that they they didn't have an understanding of what true rest or true freedom looked like. So God said, no, gather as much as you can on on the sixth day, so that on the seventh day, this day set aside to rest, you can truly rest. Um, Rich Volodas, I might have completely mispronounced his last name, but he's this author of a book called The Deeply Formed Life. He puts it like this, the brilliance of Sabbath keeping is that it's not so much about our keeping the Sabbath as it is about the Sabbath keeping us. He says that the Sabbath precedes our work so that we can work out of a place of rest as we were created to do, right? As, as the Sabbath is the very first thing in our, in our week, in our day, is if rest is the first thing, we're saying, God, we trust you enough that if I take this time to obey your commandment to rest, if I trust you enough to, um, to rest, you're going to help me take care of everything else that needs to get done. Katie reminded me of that earlier this week. She said, um, we were trying to plan something, and she said, Julia, keep your Sabbath. The work that needs to get done will get done, right? If we can just honor God's command to rest, we can trust that he's going to give us the strength, the time, the resources that we need to do it, to do work. So we see um, that rest is a good gift from God. Um, And so now we'll talk about why it is a struggle to keep Sabbath. Um, Tim Mackey, I don't know if any of you guys know The Bible Project, if any of you guys watch their videos, 10 out of 10 would recommend. Um, But Tim Mackey um, from The Bible Project, he says, humans are deceived by a darker power and forfeit this rest giving themselves over to strenuous work until they die. That's pretty, that's a lot, right? Humans are deceived by a darker power and forfeit the rest, giving themselves over to strenuous work until they die. Because of sin, there's this, um, this struggle to put God first. When sin entered the world, again, back at creation, it was because humans thought that they knew better than God, right? And, and there's been this struggle throughout all of history, throughout the very first time that sin entered the world, there's been this struggle to put God first. There's been this struggle um, inside of ourselves saying, no, God, like, I know what you've commanded. I know what you've said, but I know better. So humans thought they knew better than God, and they acted on it. And ever since then, there's been this struggle to put God first and obey his commandments, and more specifically, to obey his command to rest. Again, when we look at um, the Garden of Eden, God created mankind to work and keep it, to keep the garden um, alive, to keep the garden growing and healthy. Mankind was created to work. We were created to work. Well, we were created to worship God, but also to work. Um, But at the beginning, work was meant to be this good and productive thing. It was meant to be life-giving. It was meant to be joyful. It was never meant to be strenuous or dreadful, but it became that way 
when mankind sinned, and it, it was a consequence for sinning. So work was never meant to be dreadful or strenuous, and I love that because God, even though he knew, hey, work is going to be joyful, it is going to be life-giving, he still set aside a day to rest. And so the reason it's so hard to keep Sabbath or to keep rest sacred is because of our separation from God. It's because we look at rest as a reward that we deserve or that we don't deserve. And if we work so that we can be deserving of rest, if we look at it as a reward, I don't think we would ever get to that place. We would always be like, oh, I didn't do enough. We'd always say, oh, there's still so much work to be done. I'll just push my Sabbath to tomorrow. And, and then that day comes and you're like, oh, I still have so much work. I still have so much homework. I'll just push it to the next day. And then we find ourselves never resting. We rest because it's a gift from God. Yes, it's a struggle, but when we do decide to take the time and to take, um, take a day, take half a day to rest, it is so rewarding. So you guys might be asking yourselves, you're like, okay, cool. Sabbath is good. It is a gift from God. It is rest. But how do I keep Sabbath, right? Like, didn't Jesus rebuke the Pharisees for keeping the Sabbath? No, he rebuked them for keeping it too strictly, right? They kept putting the Sabbath over helping and lovingly um, taking care of their neighbors. They would put a, a cap on how much a person could walk in a day, like how far someone could walk. They put um, a, a cap on how much grain you could pick to eat that day. Or when Jesus did this wonderful thing a couple times of healing someone on the Sabbath day, the Pharisees got mad and they're like, what are you doing? This is a holy day, right? Like, Jesus heals someone, like, sets them free from this bondage, from brokenness, and they're like, no, like, you should not do that. But Jesus says that I am the Lord of the Sabbath. He says that he is the fulfillment of rest. In Matthew 11, he says, um, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I might give you rest. Just kidding. He says, I will give you rest. He says, come to me and I will give you rest. Right? Thanks. <laughs> um, we see that true rest can only come from Jesus. Jesus says, I am the Lord of the Sabbath. Like, let me give you rest. One of the reasons that he came was to bring rest to the weary and, and burdened and to bring freedom. His heart for us is not that we would be so weighed down by our work that we can't function or enjoy life. He wants us to live out of a place of rest. And so, as we think about how to keep Sabbath, um, I would encourage you guys to figure out what it is that you find life-giving. That in this period of rest each week, what could you do that's life-giving? My Sabbath, I'll tell you what I usually do on my Sabbath or my day of rest, um, it's usually 24 hours. Actually, it's always 24 hours. Um, I have that scheduled out in my calendar. Um, so I usually sleep in a little bit, probably until about like 8, 8.30ish. Um, and then I get up and I usually spend time with the Lord. LOL, is laughing at me <laughs> because I sleep in until 8, 8.30ish. She's like, I wake up at noon. <laughs> like, <laughs> when I sleep in, it's still one. <laughs> Love you lots, Araya. That was great. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I sleep in. I'll spend time with the Lord because the Sabbath is literally to glorify God. It's to worship God. And if my, my purpose is to worship him, that should be the beginning of my Sabbath, right? Um, 
I love this time because I don't feel like confined to a certain amount of time, right? On my Sabbath, I'm like, Jesus, I will spend as much time with you as I can, as I want to, right? This time is extravagant, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. Um, and then I'll usually make some breakfast uh, or lunch, depending on what time it is, what time I actually end up getting out of bed. <laughs> um, sorry, I keep like, I can't look at a real. Um, I'll make some breakfast. Sometimes I'll read a book. I enjoy reading. Um, I'll, if it's a nice day out, I'll go for a walk. I really love the rain and the snow, so I feel like any day is a nice day for me, and I'll go for a walk either way. Um, Sometimes I'll spend time with some friends. Some weeks I'll spend it alone, my Sabbath. Um, I'm an introvert, so typically I get filled up, like it rejuvenates me to be alone. Um, but some weeks I'm like, yeah, let's spend time with friends. This is great. Um, I'll usually watch an episode or two of whichever show I'm watching at the time. Um, the Office is always a good one, like such a good show. Um, most weeks I'll throw a nap in there because I love napping. Um, I love planning. So a lot of times at the end of the day, I'll plan out my, the following week, but I'll plan it around my Sabbath. So my Sabbath is always going to be either a Wednesday or a Saturday. And so when I look at the following week, like if we have a disc golf tournament on Saturday, I know that I have to take my Sabbath on a Wednesday. And so I'll plan out my week around my Sabbath. Um, and it's really great. It's super fun. So for you, it may be playing some football. Like, if that's life-giving for you, I see you, Adam. That's your shout-out, so you owe me $2. Um, <laughs> some of you might enjoy taking a hike or a walk through nature or gardening. That may be life-giving for you. Um, maybe it includes baking or cooking. I love both of those things, but we don't have a dishwasher, and I don't love doing dishes. So usually I don't, uh, don't bake or cook because dishes are tough. Um, but I love Sabbath because I get to do whatever I enjoy doing. I don't have to worry about everything that I have to get done. I don't feel like I have to work that day. I'm literally commanded. God commands me not to work, so probably shouldn't. Um, but literally, whatever I enjoy, whatever enjoy, whatever's life-giving, I get to do those things. And how fun is that, right? Like, that's so exciting. Like, God literally commands us to have a day set aside to enjoy life and do whatever we want to do. Like, how wild is that? It can also look different each week, like I mentioned. Some weeks I play disc golf, some weeks I spend it with friends, some weeks I'm like, say 20 words throughout the day and that's about it. Um, but the point of your Sabbath is, isn't to sleep all day. The point of your Sabbath isn't to sleep all day. It, it isn't to just sit and watch Netflix all day to binge your favorite TV show, or I guess a Netflix show at this point. Who has cable anymore? Um, some of you might be thinking, okay, bet, like I'll just, you know, I get a day to just lay on the couch all day long and binge watch my favorite show, but that's not the point, right? The point of Sabbath is to have a day that, that doesn't have anything that would actually demand your attention. The point is to make sure that you would have at least one day that doesn't have anything demanding your attention. One day that would be spent in extravagant time with the Lord. One day that would be spent with things that would rejuvenate you and that would help you operate out of a place of rest, out of a place of overflow, rather than being exhausted or being empty. So a Sabbath is a gift from God so that we could better glorify him. We should probably be doing things that glorify him, right? 
Like he's glorified, he is glorified in our work, but he's also glorified in us enjoying life, enjoying the creation that he has created, enjoying um, the food that he has created, right? Like baking or cooking. Um, but a Sabbath is a gift from God so that we could better glorify him. We should probably do things that would actually glorify him. Again, Rich Volodas, author of The Deeply Formed Life, I read five pages, and I'm like already sold on this book, so it's on my reading list for the summer. Um, but he gives a phenomenal metaphor for the Sabbath. He says, when you think about the like Food Network cooking or baking competition shows, does anyone watch those? So we know, okay, cool, a few of you. Okay, Buck, get it, let's go, <laughs> amen. Um, but he says, think of it like the Food Network cooking or baking competition shows. When the timer goes off, the contestants must raise their hands, right, lift them up, and step back from whatever they're doing. They're not allowed to um, add anything, no matter how small, or tweak anything, or um, move anything around on, on the plate of food that they've created. They have to raise their hands and step away. And Rich says that it would do us well if we thought of the Sabbath in the same way. If we thought of our Sabbath, is as soon as that Sabbath day comes, as soon, as soon as that period of time comes, we raise our hands and step away from it, away from the work that we've done, away from the work that we still have to do, and just commit that day to a day of rest. Also, as you're thinking about your Sabbath, feel free to start small. Right? A whole 24-hour period might seem a little daunting to you right now. You're like, come on, I have to work. Like, I'm a broke college student. Like, I have to do homework. Like, things need to get done. So I'd encourage you to start with, like, a half a day, right? Start with an afternoon. But whatever you end up starting with, however many hours you end up starting with, you have to be intentional about it. Sabbath or rest, it doesn't just happen. It's something that you intentionally have to block off in your planner or in your schedule. Yeah, intentionality is key. Um, in your planner or your schedule, that you would be able to keep that time sacred, to keep that time set apart for rest. If you aren't intentional in putting this in your schedule, you'll either forget about it, or as, like I said earlier, you might get to that time and be like, oh shoot, I have this project that I need to work on, or I have this homework that I need to get done, and I just have no time to rest. You must be intentional. And it's a good idea to plan your Sabbath a few days out or even a week out so that you can prepare for that, right? As you think about getting ready to Sabbath, as you think about taking this time to rest, you can make sure that you don't procrastinate on your homework the night before, right? Or procrastinate on whatever you normally might procrastinate on because procrastination is real. But as long as when your Sabbath starts, when that day comes, when that period of time comes, drop your work, raise your hands, and back away from it so that you could rest, so that you could honor God in resting. And so the worship team can go, go ahead and come up now. And I encourage you guys that as we sing this last song, think about and pray about when your Sabbath could be, and think about what it could look like to Sabbath. What it would look like if you took some time and intentionally rested in that time. I can tell you what it looked like for me. I have not always kept the Sabbath. I grew up in the church, and like this is probably the first, um, or I guess like a year or two ago, um, was the first time that I ever heard, wait, like this is a command. I need to keep it. Um, but I can tell you, when I started to keep Sabbath, I just felt so much more relieved. I felt so much more joyful and ready for the work week ahead of me because I was doing that. I was doing my work. I was faithfully doing my work, right? Like I didn't just forget about things because, hey, it's time to rest. 
but I was able to, to work out of a place of rest. And again, it was so much more joyful and life-giving. And knowing that this is what God has for us, this is um, a gift from God to rest, right? What would it look like if, if you guys faithfully took a day and gave it to the Lord for rest? What if we all honored the Lord with the time that he's given us by keeping this commandment, by keeping this day sacred, right? Like nothing can touch it, nothing can move it. No matter what the week brings, you can count on this day to rest and to get filled up. And so you guys can go ahead and stand and move to those little blue spots in front of you or next to you or behind you. And just spend this time with the Lord asking him what it is you even need. Like when you, when you think about a day of rest, what do you need? Like do you need God to be your comforter? Do you need God to be your, to be your rest? Whatever it is you need, like God wants to fulfill that. So we're going to sing this last song and then I'll come up and wrap things up.